0: Hello and welcome to Rogue Liberty Podcast. Welcome to this, um, what will now be the first episode of Rogue Liberty Podcast Um recording, it's 4 o'clock in the morning, I'm trying not to wake anybody up So it's going to be a, a quiet one And I just want to really give you a sense of uh, who I am and such And I really want to get used to doing the occasional solo episodes Because it's not always going to be possible to work with a guest With such a restricted time I have now <clears throat> So I really want to be able to get used to this. So I'm gonna just start just by explaining how it is I came to be the raging autistic libertarian that I am today, um, the evolutionary process of my thinking, uh, my experiences which led to this, and then maybe that can give some insight into what I will talk about later, which is how I which is how I feel, people who are um, say, trying to go through the Libertarian Party to enact change in my opinion, are not going about it the best way. It's not the best route to take. And why people, I feel like people like Eric July will have a lot more success in how they do it. But we'll get into that, and when I explain how I came to be a libertarian, maybe that will be clearer why I think this way. So, yeah, I'll start with um, how I came to be a libertarian, basically. It's a culmination of things over over many years since I was a child really um so to go back to when I was a child, my dad is a a major influence on in my thinking and my anti authoritarianism because that's he is a very rebellious person himself he always was a um someone who was against authority. In a sense, not to the point of being um, difficult or anything. Just he would question authority without second thought. And he, if he saw, it, if he sees injustice, to this day, if he sees injustice, he will, he will rally against it. He will, he, he does not like to see it. And when being a kid, being raised in a non-religious household, um, raised in a sense to be skeptical of religion. And being in public school, and this is why I always say like Because a lot of libertarians will just say, oh, homeschool your kids and private school your kids And it's not really helpful to those who face like constraints like um With money or time, maybe um working class households and such So I always say like if you if you have a kid in public school and it's not possible to use a home school or private school that like kid, then what worked for me as a child is that my dad would always have my back against the school no matter what he would even encourage um he would try and have me off school from time to time. oh you don't have to go in today. oh what is it the school play today you don't have to go in and do that. Because I didn't want to do school plays So we'd be like, no nah, you're not going in You're not doing the school play if you don't want to do it Um, Oh you don't want to go on this trip Okay, have the day off Oh you don't want to Um, I don't know Go in on the last Day of term Because all you're going to be doing is watching movies You're not going to learn anything anyway Yeah, Have the day off Oh it's your birthday, have the day off Things like that it, it, Very liberal with how I would have days off and if the school questioned it, you know, he wouldn't really want to be answering that question Because it's like, it's my child, if I want my child to be off school, my child's staying off school he's a, he's, He very much um, hates the school system and how they really try and be the government authority in your child's life And propagandise them <clears throat> But anyway, um, seeing that, like... Him have my back against teachers When I wasn't a difficult student Not in any any sense of it um, I was clumsy, I would daydream I would um, sometimes be talking to my friend or something But I never um, disrespected the teachers Or um, engaged in any harmful behaviour or anything like that Some teachers are just They, they cross the line between discipline And um, being treating people unfairly And I did have some of those teachers um, who did that to me and he would he would go in there and he would bat for me against them not literally he would just <laughs> tell them where to go and he would also uh, laugh at the teachers like if they were giving me any trouble he would make fun of them call them get help you know give me a nickname for them or something Um, so that kind of Shaped my early impressions of authority because these public school teachers are the authority in your child's life They are the government of your child's life because they spend most of their time there They govern their behaviour, they set the norms So you've got to really get in there and just show them that you can stand up to authority And you can laugh at authority as well most importantly um. And you know, with with uh, I I remember being young, and I remember the I remember nine eleven when that happened, and I remember seeing that I was only about eight years old. And even over here in the UK, a lot of people got caught up in the, um, in the spirit of oh let's go get them back kind of thing. And I do remember watching Baghdad being bombed on TV and sitting there with my dad, and we were. Amazed by it and, uh, you know, a little bit like, I wouldn't say happy, but like, oh, we're getting them back kind of thing. Yes, until <laughs> later on when we realise, especially he realised the truth of it and that was really a massive red pill for him. And not to talk about him too much because I don't think he would like it, but let's just say he went on his own journey of learning and... um. We have reached different conclusions on to the, like, root cause of everything and the problems of everything So we do clash a lot But it was still helpful to me because one of the things he discovered was the uh, Zeitgeist movie in 2008 When I was, uh, I would have been 16 at the time, watching the first Zeitgeist movie And it was a major, major red pill to my thinking um, it really brought everything i had believed for for years, and not that it really matters too much what you believed politically or wherever in high school, but everything I'd learned in school about the system and everything people around me believed about it, watching Zeitgeist and seeing that, really sent me down a path of um, being against government. Being against capitalism as well at the time And That set me down Kind of more of a socialist path But also an anarchist path Because when the Zeitgeist movement came about Not the movie, the movement When that came out of The, I think it came out of the second movie In 2012, or I don't know if it was formed Slightly before then in My time frame's a little bit more Messed up on that, but When that came about I, one of the what what Zeitgeist the Zeitgeist movement advocates is a moneyless resource based economy um, system, where like I don't know like an AI will <laughs> figure out where to distribute resources blah 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 very utopian, and that they that was a grassroots movement and the idea was that politics is not the way to bring that about that it would never get through in politics and therefore. It has to be culturally grass-grown, right, grassroots-grown movement To bring about that change, not that they were ever any good at doing that And that brought a kind of, um, anarchist mindset to me, I got offered Because um, when I was finding work, at about 16, 17, I was finding work and I couldn't And my careers officer said to me that she can get me a place on the Young Persons Council Working into into a career in politics, because I'm very, I was very socially minded and all this kind of such, so I um, I refused <laughs> because of my influence from from the zeitgeist movement and because I, I again not being very comfortable with authority figures. I just said no, it's not for me. Um, politics is not a is not a solution to the problems we're facing. That's pretty much what I said to her. Um So also with with that, one of the clips that the Zeitgeist movement uh, the Zeitgeist movie used was George Carlin uh when he talks about religion. So that kind of got me to look more into George Carlin and seeing him rip on society, rip on the state just really, um, from a perspective I'd never heard before, was such a, a brilliant, brilliant mind, but to also make me laugh at, to laugh at the state, to laugh at politicians, to laugh at um, people with very authoritarian <laughs> views or whatever really um, influenced me in a way as well, because I've always had this kind of love for comedy, And over the years, seeing this kind of PC culture come in and how there's more and more restrictions on comedy, particularly on, like, I used to like um, watching Mock the Week with Frankie Boyle, Ed Byrne, people like that, Um, and seeing their more dark humour, in a way, a lot of it, become less and less acceptable in our culture. Really, um, I felt like it was something that really should be embraced and defended. And my interest in philosophy as well over the years comes from initially from a love for Star Wars. I've always been a major Star Wars nerd for as long as I can remember. And in a in a sense you are exposed to philosophy when you watch Star Wars as a child. That's the intention George Lucas had for Star Wars is to teach children morals and values through storytelling that's always and it works it really does work and getting into the deeper lore of star wars behind the movies and all the the expanded universe materials and everything you've come across a lot more different views different philosophies and you realize there's all these characters and they all see the universe differently and there's some of like more nietzsche perspectives um and some of the more stoic perspectives and it just really helped to give me a lot of perspective to apply to the real world outside of Star Wars and everything. And um yeah, so the, these early years really for me set a anarchist mindset for me in a sense of a rejection of authority And it wasn't all authority But I just rejected um, Authority that I seen as unfair Basically And unjust uh, With that I, I Leaving school in the 08 crash That's the exact year I left school Was 08 The, the crash happened So I um, I Soon enough Within a few years Not finding work or anything I moved to Taiwan I had a girlfriend from Taiwan at the time, and I was just, she said, oh, you can, you can teach English in Taiwan, you don't need a visa, um, you just fake it, basically. So I did that, I went over to Taiwan, I was teaching English at 19 years old, teaching English, having no idea what I'm doing, because in Taiwan, when you're English teaching, it's more of a marketing role, really, you don't, need, they just want a Western, white Western face to say, look, we have a white Western teacher, Come on in. That's all it comes down to. Come and come and give us your money, because we can get these teachers who are native English speakers. Um, but even then, in Taiwan, I was exposed to like one thing I noticed. One of the first things I noticed when no longer being there is there's a very small gap between rich and poor. And I would question: that Why? Why is there a small gap between rich and poor? Why is everybody employed? Why is there like not really any beggars on the streets? You do get. You do get beggars but you don't get As many as you do in, in England Where they're everywhere um, And seeing um people be more religious More spiritual Like even if they don't believe their religion They would still go to the temple and pray And they would still have a lot of pride in that In that side of things And the crime rates Like you could just go out at night and not have to worry about anything except maybe a pack of stray dogs, depending on where you are. But you wouldn't have to worry about anything in Taiwan, really. Like it's just you felt safe. No one bothered you. Like if, in England, I was I was joke about this. In England when I walk past a group of teenagers, my concern is oh, damn are they gonna say something to me and I'm gonna have to like obviously I can't defend myself against them and this is just this gonna be one of those situations. But in Taiwan it's like walk past a group of teenagers and like, oh please don't say hi to me, please don't say hi to me because all they want to do is say hi and talk to you and it's such a friendly place with a low crime rate, petty crime, low petty crime rate and this exposed me to a very different way of living and exposed me to what is to this day the closest thing to free market capitalism I've ever experienced now Taiwan has its problems, its government has its problems but it seemed to me largely like the government is staying out the way of people and letting them live with low ta- lower tax rates with um just letting people build a business and not impose too many harsh harsh regulations on them or um needing licenses for everything. It just really felt a lot more free uh, especially compared to what I'm used to in the u k where I just had so such limited freedom, especially after the crash. Um, Like, the idea of getting a house and a car and a really good job just felt like it was going to be impossible But after about four years in Taiwan, uh, I left Taiwan and um, because my grandmother sadly passed away And this was around the time that Jeremy Corbyn was really coming to prominence He did about a year before I came back to England <coughs> About a year before I came back to England, but The spirit of that never really caught on to me Being all the way in Taiwan And the issues England was talking about um, I was not seeing this in Taiwan Everything seemed absolutely fine here So it wasn't going to Get me caught up in the spirit Until I came back And Again facing those same difficulties I left Because the way it was It's like I left for four years I was I was making a lot of money in Taiwan, which sadly I wasted, and I was getting along really easy in Taiwan, really easy to find a home and everything. But I never, the penny never, one hundred percent dropped that this is down to capitalism, down to their free, freer markets. So it's like I've gone back, i come back here, and I've gone back to where where I started off when I left. So I fell back into that mindset a little bit, and I was into. Jeremy Corbyn, let's vote Jeremy Corbyn. I did vote him in uh, two thousand seventeen, and I was for more socialism and such, but it never a hundred percent sat right with me. For one, me always being questioning authority, there was always that niggling question of, you know, who who's he to to be the authority? There's always that niggling question in the back of my mind. Then seeing, um, seeing Alfie Evans, that case when the NHS basically, did if you're not familiar with that situation, horrible situation, when a child was in the vegetative state, and the NHS wanted to just pull the plug on this child, and the parents were saying no, we don't want this child to die, and they were begging people for help, and... The doctors were like we're the experts, and we say this child needs to have the plug pulled against their parental rights, which did not matter in this situation. Uh, the the Catholic Church got involved and they said, "We will take care of him and we will pay for his treatment, if you can just move him over here," and which they were going to. And then the again the the, the British government, the NHS blocked it, and. Pull the plug on this child who did not have to die And I got into arguments with my friends about it Who were sided with the state I got, like <laughs> Talking to other people about it Listening to the media, James O'Brien Trying to argue that it's this child um, they should pull the plug and everything It's just it's Really, really, like, sickened me to my core That We're in a situation Where parental rights do not matter Which we're seeing more and more and more Parents losing their rights against with their children in the UK to the government Um, And Jeremy Corbyn said nothing And neither did the Conservative Party say anything Nor did they do anything And that led me to question, like, why is this apparent benevolent socialist Who's going to do all these great things for people and bring the system, like reshape the system. Uh why is he not saying anything? And that couldn't that skepticism left with me then could never, never leave. And with the Hong Kong protest as well, again, just this this is this is a further along the line when I'm already beginning to fall out with socialism or i have begun so. Jeremy Corbyn says nothing for Hong Kong. Um, not not as passionately as he would for others Which again had me questioning why Won't he question this So that scepticism of socialism was then solidified When I read, going back to my love for Star Wars I picked up the Darth Bane trilogy And the first book, Path of Destruction Which is, follows a Sith Lord um, called Darth Bane If you're not familiar the Sith are like the adversaries of the Jedi, who are very, um, very extreme individualists. But they also, um, to them, morality is, um, is subjective, and it's not. You know, they they will think nothing to kill someone for their own personal gain. It's they're these kinds of people, but. Listening to it and getting into some of that um, Into that, his criticism of collectivism About how it uh, brings a whole Brings everybody down If everybody's equal It brings everybody down And collectivism is for the weak Blah 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 this kind of thing And although I didn't agree with him fully Some of these individualistic Viewpoints he had I felt were correct Some of those criticisms were correct So... It really gave me a kind of conflict of everything I I really believed, but I was already shaky on anyway, and it pushed me to a rejection of socialism, and from there I just felt really politically homeless because the Conservative Party to me were no better. They're liars. They allowed this this child to die when 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 that happened with the um, with Alfie Evans, they were no better. They they had no moral superiority they had also bombed countries uh and taking us to war with like syria and such they had no moral high ground so there's nowhere for me to go i felt and i was kind of stuck in that limbo for a while until i played a game called city state now city state is a it's it's kind of like sim city if you've ever played that but you're in charge of a city that's also a state It was made by one developer, and I I should have really got his name before I I, um, put this up. But he, at least, I've spoken to the developer, and he was a libertarian. He's um, gone a little bit more against libertarianism now, Um, but still, at this time, he was a libertarian, and he created this game, City State, where you run, you build a city, and you run the city, you run the state. And you choose the policies And every now and then an issue will come up And when these issues come up You have two advisors You can choose the Keynesians or the Austrians And I chose the Austrians Which I'd never heard of before this time Never heard of the Austrians And When issues are coming up For example like about Pollution or Yeah for one of them like uh pollution and taxing cars, for example, like taxing pollutant cars. And I would click like, oh yes, tax, tax these vehicles, and the Austrians would pop up and say, "No, what you're doing, this is going to impact the poor." And you know, I I would do it anyway, and then I'd see, yeah, the the <laughs> people, poor people are being affected by this on my game and it happened like that with a load of other things load of other policies where the austrians will come in and say like oh you have no right to to, to impose this on people or um like just how, the sheer number of especially the economic policies that they would say that i would think the socialist way is more correct and the austrians will come along and say no this will only impact the poor and it just made me question the austrian school because When when I looked it up and said libertarians, I was like, "Libertarians aren't they those people who are like for extreme like capitalism?" Aren't they like? I knew a libertarian who apparently was a libertarian who stole a Facebook group off me. Um, But turns out he wasn't a real libertarian. He was um, he was very much a troll, but that was my my idea of a libertarian. Is though these these people are extreme capitalists. Why is their philosophy, their economic school of thought on this game telling me that they care about the poor? So I was like, maybe there's actually a lot more to their side of the argument than I'm thinking because another thing that the Darth Bane Trilogy taught me was because I'd always seen the Sith as the bad guys maybe the people you perceive as the enemy it's beneficial to really get to know their mindset and what they're thinking and you might find there's a lot of agreeable things in their thinking, a lot of useful things, even if you don't ultimately don't agree. So thinking back to that, I thought, well, let's just let's find out a little bit more about what's going on in this Austrian uh mindset. So I discovered Milton Friedman. And honestly, I was just blown away by his arguments. I'd never heard anything like it. And it made so much sense. And relating back to my experience in Taiwan, I had a reference to much of the economic freedom he was talking about. And I was like, this makes sense now, why Taiwan was so, um, felt much more free, why people were much happier, why the crime rates are lower, why the even though the wages are a lot lower, people can afford a lot more. The the families are together. The, um. <laughs> you know. There's a lot to what he's saying, so. I was like, I'm going to look a lot more into this libertarianism stuff. So looking into libertarianism, I then found an article by by somebody I don't know who this was. Who talked about their journey to libertarianism. And how they were feeling People were not happy with this person Who wrote this article Because he started to listen to Tom Woods a lot more So I was like, oh Who's who's this Tom Woods? So, looking into Tom Woods And I find his libertarian speech He would give to the whole world on YouTube And it just sold me instantly on, on, on it And I was like, this is certainly Speaking my um, language This may be Maybe I found the home I was looking for, and so I, from there I just ended up looking more into it, and more into it. And I'm still a young libertarian. This isn't all that long ago, and the whole anarchy thing. You know, I don't like to put labels on myself. I don't really like to use the word anarcho-capitalist or anything like that. I'd say more a market anarchist or something. I don't know. Whatever label suits me, but I don't know. Point being. Anarchy wasn't a big jump to me. I was sceptical of it, and some elements of it, I still am sceptical, but I just know that it will work better than the state, I know that for sure. Um, But it wasn't such a big jump to me, considering um, my experiences over the years, and already being kind of an anarchist with the zeitgeist movement and everything. It wasn't the biggest jump for me The bigger jump for me was from Socialism to capitalism It was the biggest jump for me That was much harder And through that like A lot of my experiences are Very much culturally influenced Um, From the... like George Carlin and Bill Hicks, people like this, through the zeitgeist movement and trying to influence change through culture, um, through learning different philosophies through Star Wars, through learning individualism through Star Wars, which eventually led me to um, libertarianism and just learning to listen to other ideas through Star Wars, which led me to libertarianism. And through being exposed to the different philosophy and different culture in Taiwan and learning more of their way of thinking and to this day I I think very differently to a lot of other British people I don't fit in well with British people anymore because I spent four years in Taiwan exposed to a different way of thinking and sometimes I do (laughs) without unknowingly think a little bit more like an Asian Um, but like a Chinese I should say And then ultimately through City State, through just playing a video game, I was exposed to the Austrian school, which I had not really heard of, only passively heard of, and never really put any thought into it. And through, um, through that, experimenting on the game with different systems and seeing how the more freedom people have, the better off they were. Through a video game, so this is why I say that the idea to me of bringing about less government through a libertarian party is a is it's just not the best way to go about it. It will have some successes, no doubt, and. Yeah, you can use it for messaging, but why use that for messaging when you've got, when culture is a much more effective tool through storytelling, through video games, through music? And this is why I say like, Eric July has, will have more success over the years, and he will, he is having more success. 'Cause he, he through his music he gets people to um let the guard down emotionally and consider ideas, let ideas into their head that they would normally not consider. And through um through like when he's talking about these things, when he's talking about comic books and music and movies and when he's taking on the woke culture, he's getting into the circles of people who are liberty minded, who like I always say, like this whole woke thing. Very much a corporate pro- plot, no doubt it's a divide and conquer plot, but they've made a mistake by disturbing people who are like gamers and people who are big movie buffs or into their comic books because these people were the most politically like they they didn't care about politics before this stuff came along and dislodged them and made them pay attention to politics and who do they turn to? They turn to Donald Trump. that's failed. they're looking for a other answers now These people their their political home is are looking for other answers And The best way through these pe- To get through to these people Is through the culture And I'm thinking Of a And I don't know the quote Verbatim But in Lenin Who obviously I'm not a fan of But he did say one thing Which was the, um, Which rings true To when you're trying to Bring about a revolution Or something uh, whether that's revolution of the state or a revolution of ideas or whatever, is he said something along the lines of um, "poker with a sword, and if you hit steel, withdraw. and If you hit mush, carry on." In other words, um, it's, you know, attack at the weakest points. And um, where is the establishment at its weakest? It's at its weakest through culture, when a Foreign government wants to subvert a, another government. They will mainly do so through the culture, through the cultural institutions at the grassroots level. To bring about the changes they want to see, it's not always through military force or something. Uh, if, if they don't want to do that, it's through culture. The United States, the, the United States Empire, uh, is mainly a cultural empire. As much as a military one It's very much a cultural one And the culture right now is at its weakest point Where People are not Opposed to um, Alternatives And to build an alternative institutions Of media, of entertainment And I feel like this is very much The, the right path To go, because most people Are not Politically active And they only come to being a little bit more politically aware around election time, when they would tune into the news, and whichever one, whichever party kind of, like, there's two two kinds of people. There's the ones who will vote whichever party has, is most agreeable to them at the time, most agreeable to their values and their way of thinking. But then there's the people who were like, well, my grandmother voted Labour and her grandmother voted Labour, so I'm gonna vote Labour, or, you know, Democrat or whatever, Republican, my family vote Republican, so I'm gonna vote Republican those kinds of people and then they've, they send off the ballot, they see who wins and then they, that's it, not politically active again for another four years like, these people are not gonna be won over to the side of Liberty anytime soon even though a lot of them would agree with Libertarians with given the, um Exposure to the ideas What are these people doing in those four years? Well, they're watching sports They're watching movies They're watching TV shows They're reading comic books They're playing video games These are the reachable areas And I can't stress enough how much I feel this is so And that's why on my channel One of the main areas of focus Will be to kind of To bring exposure To not just libertarians, but anti-authoritarian people, anarchists, and, you know, it doesn't matter who they are, really. If they're anti-authoritarian and um, against imposing, just against imposing their will on other people, if they are doing some kind of media project, entertainment project, whatever, let's say, like, a book or something, a fiction novel, then they will... Um, and then I want to speak to them and try and bring exposure to their ideas But also just discussing some things like Star Wars and sports and such myself With other people To um, bring other people listening to my podcast And then being exposed to libertarians and libertarian ideas And that's why I'll, on my channel I will also be doing interviews With other libertarians And not just, li- not just other libertarians I'm going to try and find people from all over the spectrum Because there's some There's quite a few people I respect, even though I don't agree with them. Like, for example, um, George Galloway, someone I respect, even though I don't agree with him a whole lot. Or Russell Brand, I don't agree with him a whole lot, but I find him agreeable. Or Peter Hitchens, another one. Disagree with him a lot, but at least um, I can respect him. So, you know, like, people... Aligning with those types, I'm going to talk to people like that as well. Um, So, just to say a last couple of things on the whole culture thing. Like, for example, there's a lot of libertarians out there who would tell you that they came to be a libertarian because of George Carlin. But George Carlin wasn't necessarily a libertarian he was you know very much pro democracy and some of his things were some of his views were a bit more like left leaning liberal leaning um he had a lot in common with libertarians but still he wasn't a libertarian yeah he he influenced libertarians a lot um same with bill hicks and also with um with with that, I just want to say that, really, there's a lot to be gained through that. Like, all you have to do is teach people to be anti-authoritarian, in a sense, and get them to laugh at authority. And they will come to their own conclusions, and they will find libertarianism on their own, and as long as there's other... Bits of entertainment out there exposing them to, say, the Austrian school and such in subtle ways or non subtle ways, then they will find their way around. They really will. And if you really doubt the power of culture in this way, well, let's look at um, how, in the last 10 years, especially since YouTube came about, uh, paganism is going up again. Why are so many more people becoming identifying as pagan? Well, I look at it and see that uh, folk metal, which was used to be a, a very very underground subgenre of metal, was discovered through uh, the internet, through YouTube. More people have found it. They spread it around, and it's grown in popularity. Folk and pagan metal, or just folk music in general, as well. And then you got TV shows like, uh, for example, Vikings comes about. And really glorifies the image of, of the Norse pagans. Um, and suddenly you see this resurgence of people who believe in the Norse gods. Now, um, I call myself an agnostic, but like the for people to, if culture, things like music and the TV shows and uh, things like this. Can bring people to believe that when Four strikes his hammer, that's when there's lightning Again, in this day and age Then for something as um, <laughs> Something like libertarian philosophy Really shouldn't be that hard to convince people of through culture And really shouldn't be hard to make trendy This idea of liberty So that's really all I have to say about this um, It's pretty late And I'm struggling to really gather my my thoughts now. So I will expand on this every so often when I'm talking to, say, my guests, or when I'm talking, especially guests who are doing uh, things like writing books or in video game development or whatever. Uh, This will be expanded on a lot more, but I just wanted to get my general thoughts out there. Because there's one area that has been continuously ignored by libertarians or just not seen, doesn't avenue, not seen and that's culture. That's all really I have to say about that. Um so yeah please um if you want to find me on uh Twitter you can find me at Rogue Liberty1 uh, and if you find me on YouTube uh just put in Rogue Liberty Podcast it will come up. I've not yet created a channel at this moment in time for that for this podcast. And uh, yeah, hashtag cuts our Goodbye.